Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable coming to you from various places in and around Los Angeles, including Treasonable Studios, with your cognitive dissidents on the panel this week. Joining us for the first time, he is a comedian who's originally from San Francisco. He toured for about a decade or so and is now working as a writer and commercial and film actor. Very proud and happy to welcome Mr. Jeffrey Scott Hendrick. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, sir. Thanks, thanks, Doc. Absolutely. Welcome, Jeff. <laughs> welcome, sir. Happy to have you join. Thanks for being with us. And uh, always a pleasure to introduce our next panelist. She's a comedian you may have seen on Last Comic Standing. She's a mom and a contributor to the Huffington Post. We are always stoked to have her with us live from Burbank. It is Katie Massa Kennedy. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I want to let all of your listeners know that I'm currently lounging on a divan. (laughs) How divine. or maybe you could call it a fa- maybe you could call it a fainting couch, but something like that. I'll get it some water, and maybe it'll uh, maybe it won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> it's you know, I, I don't want to like devolve into this whole thing, but I I've always wondered and never bothered to look up the etymology of the the phrase, the name fainting couch, and oh, yeah, I have I have this one for you. Actually. Oh, good, good. Oh See, there's God. a reason we brought you on the panel, Jeff. Uh, it, goes, it goes back to the Victorian area when you had all those walk-ups with the really steep steps and women were wearing, what, 50, 60 pounds worth of undercarriage and girdle and hoop. That couch was there because a lot of women at the top of the stairs would be like, you know what? I'm tired for a few minutes. I have all <laughs> 50 or 60 pounds of truss up here. And because the corsets were so tight, they would... They would faint occasionally. Uh-huh. So it's actually called a fainting couch because people would faint and they'd put them on the couch. Nice. But they would and always I, be stationed at the top of the stairs from the real steep stairs in the Victorian walk-ups. Yeah. And the only reason and I know that is because I lived in one in San Francisco. And in a couch? A there and I went, that's a fainting couch. And my next door neighbor who was this part of a wonderful gay couple went, let me tell you all about the couch, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> like, oh, they had our fainting couches at work in the women's bathroom too bad they were used to you know do a little whoopee in them (laughs) (laughs) well hey they actually used them if it's enough to make you faint then maybe you're doing it right and we can we can talk more more about women with uh 50 or 60 pound undercarriages uh later on but first you just heard his voice and it is always a pleasure to have him on the show as always we are joined by comedian scholar and the black voice of reason mr time and ship welcome back sir Power to the people, Dave, and burn, baby, burn, let us burn it down. Yes, black people, black power, and all that other good shit. Yeah, black is beautiful, and uh, also, you know, I'm black and I'm proud. Say it loud. Brown would love to say it. It, Say it loud. I wish he were still with us to say it himself. That would would be nice. Um, I mean, obviously, that would insinuate that he would be alive which always better to have the live people still with us Uh, although you're not not advocating for a zombie james brown no not necessarily um but although they didn't leave him in his coffin for a month while they fought over his money yeah that's you know the the perils of celebrity (laughs) yeah just yeah 
Yeah, so so sad. Along those lines, if they ever figured out where Casey Kasem's body is, is he still floating around in somebody's freezer in in Toluca Lake? Well, I think if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, no, there was there was like a whole big to do with like between <laughs> his children and his wife and yeah, like nutty. But uh, last I heard, Casey is taking up space somewhere in the Netherlands. I'm Casey Kasem. No, uh, like he was buried in Sweden or the Netherlands or somewhere. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, coming in at number 39. It's a tax dodge from Gene Kasem on America's Six Feet Under. Uh, we we have so much to talk about this week, surprisingly, including more about dead celebrities. And we will be talking about them. But first, a message from our sponsors, at Community Spread. It's morning in America, and people are waking up to the great taste of Community Spread. I kind of want toast, but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's Community Spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? What's in community spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- <laughs> Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community spread. Available at... Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches. Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using community spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. And new from the makers of Community Spread, it's Unmitigated Spread. If you barely acknowledged Community Spread before, try Unmitigated Spread. Unmitigated Spread. It's time for a second peek. Uh, so. Uh, and you are. Sick? <laughs> Disturbed? Or, or, so, or soon to be. Yeah. Well, you didn't say who you were. Oh, me? I'm, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, God, dude. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I often, I often forget. Yes, me. I am Doctor David Robinson, your Vin Scully for the impending apocalypse, not to mention the current one. And I uh, want to give thanks to our voice talent on that, Cat Alvarado, who you yeah, know from the show, and Connor McIntyre, who also provided voice work there. So thanks to them. Let's let's start by talking about uh, the the whole COVID situation because we are now seeing the the grand reopening of America, even in places like Southern California where cases are on the rise. And I don't want to dwell too much on my personal life because I rarely do. But uh, I want to give a shout out to my uncle who is in the hospital, uh, not with COVID but not doing great. And we went to visit him yesterday. And first, like I went out to uh, my cousin's house in the Valley and then we were driving back into the city uh, where, where my uncle's in the hospital. So we, we drove by the beach and it was packed and, you know, people without masks just everywhere. Then we got to the hospital where they just like yesterday was the second day uh, where they were allowing visitors in 
and it's crazy seeing what they're doing at the hospitals to to try and and prevent or you know stop if you can the spread of the coronavirus and it it seems to me and i know crazy but it it seems to me that maybe those of us in the civilian population might be better off taking a hint from the folks in the hospitals because they they may have a little more of an inkling as to how to prevent the spread of disease than Republican economists or politicians might. Well, this is all very interesting, David, but the problem with everything that you just said is that there's no such thing as a virus. (laughs) (laughs) It is a hoax. It's a hoax. Yeah, I guess I did fail to account for that. Uh, Like the the female orgasm. It's a hoax. (laughs) Perpetrated on us by evil people. (laughs) Clitoris, I'm not into astrology. I have have to say I had the best hoax last night multiple times. (laughs) Were you alone? Uh, it's it's disturbing you know uh and it's it's funny and i'm uh, again not to get into i mean not i'm i'm katie i'm happy for you that's not disturbing uh but it's 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 interesting just to see what's going on because in general you know i think the the four of us do live here in southern california and we we do tend to live in a bit of a bubble it's it's a little easier to to see the the folks on the right and the ignorant side of things often that Venn diagram is just a circle but it's it you know we it's easier to to put them out of our minds and just think about what's affecting us directly so m- my cousin and his wife are they're republicans but they're on the good side of of the right side of the spectrum and I'm not saying that the last four years has turned them into Democrats, but I, I know who they're not voting for in November. And it's it's someone who has been in the Oval Office uh, for the last, you know, three some odd years. A man frequently uh, referred to as the squatter in the people's house. Props to you, Katie. <laughs> and I, I do think it's, it, to me, it gives me just a glimmer of hope that there are reasonable Republicans out there and not just the, the George Conways, the Steve Schmitz. You know, there, there are like civilian Republicans, people who, who aren't just in it for the money. It amazes me the transformation and rebirth and rebranding of that meat-headed bullet sack Steve Schmidt. I mean, why are we talking to this guy? How did you not vet Sarah Palin, who is the Trump gateway right. drug? No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and they, they trot him out like he's an expert. Dude, you had one job. Pick a good <laughs> veep. And you choked. Well, but you know, in a way, I, you know, I view Steve Schmidt through like the lens of Operation Paperclip. <laughs> You know, it's like, sure, they they were Nazi rocket scientists, but when we brought them over here, they made rockets for us. Now, so now they're they're good. 
<laughs> well, no. I mean, I'm still not going to invite him to my kid's bar mitzvah, but when it comes to making rockets, I'm, I'm going to defer to them. So when it comes to people like Steve Schmidt, and yeah, he does have a lot to atone for, but he is someone who was on the inside of the Republican dirty tricks and ignorance building machine. So yeah. there was a, there was a, a great editorial. Uh, I think it was in USA today uh, that I threw into the, into the flipboard that basically was like, what, what do Americans owe to these never Trump Republicans presuming we win the election in November? And the answer was nothing, you know, give them a gold star. Thanks. Pat on the back, but do, the ba- yeah, do we need to give him like a cabinet position? Do it? No, fuck no, absolutely no. not. No, you don't. You don't owe him anything. Well, one, you don't owe him anything. That's true because these are not those Republicans. These are not Ronald Reagan Republicans. They had no idea that this idiot that they put in was going to blow the wheels off. You know that he would turn everything into a reality TV show. I mean, his from his children. To all that we have, I mean, they. This is the honey boo boo of, of of politics. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody's in there, and you know, I mean, and you remember, even your black Republicans are now speaking out. Although I've ran into some some, some black Republicans that are are, are a few, <laughs> they're they're pretty much idiots. I mean, they call themselves conservative, but they're voting for Trump. But it's you know, when you were talking about your cousin. You know, there have always been Republicans that are in the middle, just like there are a lot of Democrats that are in the middle. They're not too far. They're not all the way right. And they're not all the way left. They're right in the middle, which is where Joe Biden's going to end up. He's going to end up in the middle. And if you put Warren or Kamala Harris with him, you're going to end up in the middle because that's how they're going to do it. Yep. (laughs) There you go. That's the word. You got that. And, And they, um. It was like adding a Mr. Rogers or, you know, kind of element or more of a Pee Wee Herman. Today's secret word is centrists. When you hear the secret word, what do you do? Scream real loud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. I don't want to take, pos- take a position on anything. <laughs> oh, my God. First Casey Kasem and now this. Wow. It's Well, you know, uh, hey, hey, this hey, is hey, this hey, is a political part. opinion show. So we're here to give you, you know, our impressions on things. You want the artwork? We'll give you the artwork. <laughs> Let me tell you, Ant. If you vote for the Trump, we're going to knock you out. We're going to take your ant hill and knock it to the ground. But I think, no, you, Simon, uh, you you raise a a great point that I think uh, at the beginning and even during the campaign, which is surprising because, you know, as comedians, we know the importance of of opening up with something that's going to get the crowd you know, to, to pay attention. And his opening line was, you know, Mexicans are rapists. And somehow still a lot of folks on the right side of the spectrum thought that it was going to be like a controlled burn, you know, when, and we know all about (laughs) wildfires here in Southern California. And a lot of times you want to do a controlled burn. You want to get rid of like some of the underbrush, but you do it very carefully and that way when the big fires come there's less to burn near your house for those who don't know about a controlled burn however what they got was a a flamethrower in a tornado and yeah 
the the difference. I mean, that's why Michael Steele. That's why Michael Steele is so pissed. I mean, remember he was over the deal, and then you had your Tea Party guy. Well, where you haven't heard about Tea Party people? Where are those guys? You haven't. They they don't exist. They were huge. You had Tea Party, and so now you got the Rick Wilson, and they they got George Conway. Doesn't get any better than good old George. And Rick Wilson is, and they're loving it. They're ripping this guy because you're putting you're putting him so far behind. You know, you're putting him so far behind that you you know that you can't do anything. I mean, so they they want. He, 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 you know, Nixon. You can say whatever you want about Nixon, but at least he was. You know, people felt that they could work with him. Trump's gotten rid of everybody. Now all the generals want his ass out. Who else is going to step up? I mean, hell, they just, I mean, they're even cussing him out in Braille. Blind people are going off on the public. <laughs> they're cussing him out in Braille. Time and doesn't matter. I think what happened to the Tea Party is that Trump trumped them. Because they were the crazy bastards in the tent for a very long time. And then they come Trump. Right. And like, it's like, it's like <clears throat> if I were to, if I as an open mic were to follow Robin Williams. <laughs> like, follow that motherfucker. I can't. My God! <laughs> Although, you if you were an open micer, it's cool to put kids in cages. You think it's okay to, you know, blow up establishment, uh, the, you know, get rid of pandemic offices and fire competent people. And Tea Party people are like, I just have a match. That guy's got a fucking flamethrower. I can't compete with that. I'm just walking around with this tiny little candle. Look at me. Yeah, that's so, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And also, got, when it comes. When it comes to these conservative guys like um, Steve Schmidt and Rick Wilson and all that um, and, and others, sometimes I do wonder, are they kind of like, oh, I, I'm, I'm actually a moral person, so I'm speaking out. Or if it's more like you could see this from a mile away, not even right now, but I mean way back, that if you didn't just go on the right, like, quote, right side of history – you're like you're going to lose all credibility, like meaning that there's no morals behind the way they're speaking out at all. No. I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just kind of positing. Like, is well, it is it that they're doing the right thing, or is it that they're they've always been opportunists and they continue to be opportunists? Well, I, I think it's oh, a little no. of both. I I think you know. <laughs> No. Not, no. Nodding emphatically. Well, I think, but I think it's it's a little bit of that. And you know how, like, when they started locking kids in cages and deporting people who had, you know, been in the country illegally. And you started hearing a lot of people in the Midwest who had voted for Trump, but, you know, had Hispanic, Mexican, South American friends in the community who you know, were the quote unquote good ones. And then their <laughs> friends get deported. And that's when it hits them that, oh, oh, this affects I, us. You know, I mean, I was going to yeah. say this affects everybody, but fuck them. You know, they, they don't see themselves as part of everybody. It's all about this affects us. And like, for instance, Charlie Sykes, who's one of the never Trumper Republicans. And I, I do enjoy his takes uh, on the news. And, you know, when I, when I see his stuff on Twitter, a good friend of mine from college. And then we worked together uh, in radio for, for a few what? years. No, not Charlie, but a good friend of mine uh, was oh, Charlie's oh. producer. Oh, okay. When, after uh, my buddy moved to Wisconsin, got a job working and was, was Charlie's producer and so both Charlie and I were groomsmen at my friend's wedding. 
And yeah, interesting times. You know, hey, I try to lead an interesting life. <laughs> and it, it is one of those thoughts. Like, I am proud to see that Charlie is on the right side of history, but particularly being from Wisconsin which is one of the most heavily gerrymandered states, uh, one of the states where we are seeing unfettered Republican corruption. And the, the fact of the matter is, it's like, I love what you're doing now, but you spent years creating this system that you are now railing against. And, you know, you can't start every comment with a disclaimer regarding your past actions that would just take way too long but i mean look at george will look at george will george will did the same thing mm -hmm. george can't i mean because they they can't explain it it. they cannot explain they did not this dude is dismantled i mean not only is he dismantling and corrupting you know from the inside but you know we they republicans considered themselves very presidential He's thrown all that out the window. It doesn't matter about being presidential. I mean, if I hear another guy bitch about illegals, I'm like, dude, you're really? You're complaining about illegal aliens? Yeah, they're costing us. When? I came here with nothing. Yeah, I came to L.A., you know, moved here to L.A., a little over 100 bucks in my pocket. My brother even bitched about illegals. They're taking all the jobs. I said, James, at one time, black people would have considered the illegals. And then all of a sudden, they were replaced by immigrants. I just, you know, I mean, you can't keep saying that somebody's taking something if your ass is still moving forward. I don't, I haven't thought of an illegal of taking anything from me. And for some reason, when, when Trump got in, it's always good to find and blame something. And I, it's like, I, I don't well, know where you see that. If, if you always have someone to blame... You never have to take any responsibility for any of your mistakes yourself, which is like that's Trump's mantra. I take no responsibility. Like that's news. Right. When you were talking about you're talking about right. immigrants time and he, he still owes Polish immigrant workers thousands of dollars from when they were building Trump Towers, right. which is like what, 30, 40 years ago? Uh, I thought yeah. you were going to say from marrying him. Ah. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, I'll be here all week. Along those lines, have you, have you heard the story that uh, Anya renegotiated her prenup to move into the White House? Yep. Yeah, saw that. Uh, yes, because she didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Well, yeah, you saw her on inauguration night, man. She was miserable. The both of them were. Like, how how did we get here? Like, well, it wasn't. It wasn't like you accidentally took the wrong door, like in Spinal Tap, when you're trying to get to the stage and went to the boiler room. Welcome home! You know, man, this is what you wanted, and you got it, and now you're miserable. God, you're just making so me so sad for you. I feel sad. One of the, one of the great like throwaway lines in in that scene when when they're lost in the boiler room and the they you know see a guy working in there asking him for directions like so you're gonna go down this hall then you're gonna jog to the left oh no 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 we don't have time to jog we have a we have a show uh, <laughs> but uh, have any. Have- you run into uh, someone on social media when you complain about children still being held in cages at the border that scream at you, well, how many would you take? My, no. my response to that is, fucking all of them. $750 a night per child is what we're laying out as taxpayers. Fucking bring them on. 
at my place, they'll at least have running water and soap and a bed to sleep in. And 7.50 a night, I can have a doctor come in and make sure that they're not going to die of some preventable disease. My God, it's still going on and no one's talking about it. It blows me away. I could probably fit four of them in the spare bedroom. Jeff, Obamagate's more important. Yeah, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> is it because, is it yeah. because he has a gate? Is that the problem, Diamond? That he has yeah, a gate or, or if it's not that, it's the tan suit. The tan suit. It had to be the tan suit. And Dijon mustard, if I recall correctly, was a big thing. Uh, yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. You know Great what? Poupon. Just on, yes. on a yeah. similar note, something that I was thinking about, because of the changes that we're seeing as a result of all the, the recent black lives matter protests. Watch out, Dave. And Watch out. You're gonna get no, no, this isn't, this isn't one of my usual uh, modest proposals. This is actually, David, explain it to us. Explain it to us. <laughs> well, you see, they're these black people that they've been here for a while and we need to do something about them. Um, no, but I, you know, when, when we talk about the mistreatment of the black community and the, the ghettoization of black neighborhoods in america one of the issues that normally comes up is is food inequality and the fact that you don't see uh, a lot of grocers and places where people who live in these ghettos and bad neighborhoods can get nutritious food at a reasonable price so this is this is the slightly modest proposal portion of the proposal but Let's let's you know we're talking about uh, rich people doing some sort of reparations and things. Jeff Bezos already owns Whole Foods, and he's got a little bit of money to spare. So we start a, a low-priced grocer. You know, you can follow uh, the example set up by Aldi, uh, which is a German chain, which is you know they have a lot of stores here in the states. A lot of better products in their stores, depending on who you talk to. But you you start setting up a chain of f- mostly produce-centric groceries for the, the less advantaged neighborhoods. Name of the chain, Michelle's. Oh. oh. I like yeah, it. you're really trying to start some shit now, Dave. <laughs> well, it's, the you black know. woman with arms. You know they didn't like her arms. Come on, uh-huh. Dave. Now you want to name uh-huh. her right now. Oh, you're really pushing it, bro. Well, really look, look, at all, look at all the free media you, you exposure you get from the right. They'd lose their shit, and they would be talking about it nonstop. Yeah. They'd never have to make commercials and it's you know it's it's not even like you know you're calling it michelle obama's so you don't need to talk about trademarking although i'm sure just from what i know about uh the first lady she would get behind it she may even like get into like being a spokesperson for it but i you know bezos give me a call let's talk uh And what you're yeah, describing, I mean, it, David, is what they what they call on NPR food, food deserts. Food desert, exactly. Which well, is like, a much worse name Detroit, for a supermarket. In Detroit, Michigan. They don't. The reason why they had to start barbecue and they were having you know these you know little barbecue areas because there are no grocery stores in those particular neighborhoods. Like I always say, they can fix up any city they want. When I say they, governments, states. It's whether they feel it has value to them who would go to the, to the developers that would go in and do it. You know, so a lot of people don't believe that that that's you know, valuable to them and they won't go in and do it. But 
it's there. It's always been there. You yeah. know, there are always opportunities. I mean, you know, if we look at, you know, black cities in general, they were already being built in segregation. As a matter of fact, uh, the 16-year-old the, uh, blacks back in, like, 1948, before they came out with the minimum wage bill, they were actually level. Black and white 16-year-olds were actually, their, unemploy their unemployment rates were around the same. But when the union came in in 1938, blacks were not allowed to join into those unions, as well as because of the Minimum Wage Act of 1935, they lost out and all of a sudden their unemployment rate went up to 25 percent because of that. I mean, you just you, you there are opportunities that were there. Our governments can make these these opportunities. And I had a Republican ask me, well, what do black people want, Ty? I said, have you been to Thousand Oaks? He said, yeah. <laughs> I said, they want their neighborhoods to look just like that. They, they don't care about who walks in them. They want their neighborhoods and schools and their homes to look just like that. That you do not pull the money out of these neighborhoods and you leave them in the neighborhood to where they're, they're, things, they're being supported. Yeah. You know, they really don't want to go, you know, to other places. They like what they have. They want to be, but they want their neighborhoods and their schools and, they, like you said, grocery stores and everything, you know, and they just want to be able to enjoy their life. They're no different than anyone else. Well, it, in a way, you know, because the Republicans just, you know, have like a an anti-Midas touch kind of thing. But some of, some of the ideas that open up the the horrible republican ideas like I, right now i'm thinking of the the whole broken windows idea of policing and if if you were to start with something similar start with the the idea that when you you're in a neighborhood and you see a bunch of buildings with broken windows that is an indication of crime now the republican solution is to go in there with nazi-esque police forces beating the fuck out of everybody profiling stopping and frisking what have you but what if instead of using that to inspire police violence on a group of people you use that to inspire the development of a community and not for the purposes of gentrifying it so it's safe for white people to move in but in order to make the community better and you know, we as as we've seen through the economic shutdown that was prompted by the whole COVID nineteen crisis, government has the money. It's just whether or not they want to spend it on the people. Well, well, you know, Dave, those those programs were always were always there. Look at vocational schools when we were in school. You had a vocational school. If you didn't want to go to high school. Where'd you go? You went to Votech. We produce plumbers. We produced uh, nurses at 18 years old. We had, uh, you had community centers that you could go and play. You had place, kids had places to go in after school programs. But they started trying to privatize every goddamn thing and they didn't want community anymore. And that caused the problem. So now you say, well, where are all these kids? You know, you know, then we start locking them up. And I used to say, you know, me working at Juvie, I would say if we lock up the father, we're going to lock up the son. We were spending $250,000 per child to lock them up in juvenile hall. I could send you to Harvard. 
and make you an Einstein for that kind of fucking money. So you you took that money. Now all of a sudden you see, oh my god, we can we, we can defund the police. You could have defunded that shit years ago. This isn't new. We were already doing it. Hell, we were taking drivers in high school. Yeah. We had to go and make it. We paid sixty bucks. You go in, you take your drive. By the time you came out, you had your driver's licenses. And we were better drivers for it because we took it. And we didn't have to go and turn it over to someone so they can create a job out of it. Yeah. You took no, away we had, a lot of yeah. You took away shop class. You took away mechanics. Remember, guys were taking mechanics. Oh, and yeah. so now those, those cars being donated, they went to the high school so you could work on them. Well, it was always great. Like, because when I, when I went to high school and, you know, I was, I was in the white suburbs of Chicago, mostly white, but yeah, pretty much white. This is back in the 80s. So we did have like a full spectrum of education available from art and music classes to Votech stuff like shop class. And and we had like a working garage in, in our school, which was great because you had one centralized area in the school where people could go to buy weed, which was really, <laughs> really important back then. You know, not everybody could trade test answers with the guy who had the same class after them. It wasn't, those opportunities weren't there for everybody. But no, spe- no it's, it's, it's not a bong, it's a vase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, you, you learn from white guys how to do a, a marijuana malt. Hadn't heard of it until I went to Aurora, Colorado. They had the best parties, their parents were out of town, everything was free, and they also would pass the hat that's when you learn how to get, you know, uh, kager parties, jungle juice, and going to fuck with devil worshippers after doing mushrooms. <laughs> That's where you learn that from. From the white guys, See, man. This they is taught the me thing. a lot. It's, yeah, people. If, <laughs> the, if, brothers, the brothers charged your ass. You couldn't do that. Dude. They, they would always charge you. So, you know. <laughs> the, the, well, thing that, the thing that you brought up, Timon, that really strikes home to me was about the vocational schools. And those going away is you had jobs that were paying starting at 20 to 35 bucks an hour, all vanished. And so you took opportunity uh, that because that you was- didn't care about the worker anymore. You cared about the shareholder. That was the whole thing with globalization. I mean, if you can go, you can go as far back as the Gilded Age if you want. You do not. They did not want to pay the American worker the money that he was worth unless you had a union. And if the union wasn't involved. That's why Bezos got away with everything. He said, I'll bring in all of this. Just don't charge. Don't bring in a union. If you don't have a union, I'll put my company where you want. They don't want unions because they don't want to pay you. They want to pay the shareholder. We, we're going to give you that banana for a quarter. Well, let's, you know, let's talk about unions for a second, only because in general, uh, and I grew up in a union family, you know, uh, and I am in support of unions because in most businesses, the the folks who are in control of stuff and the, the owners are going to screw the workers any chance they get. It's what they do. That's how they make their money. You know, Jeff Bezos didn't become the richest man in the world by making sure that everybody who works in an Amazon warehouse is doing just fine. So in general, I'm in support of unions, but you know, in the past few weeks, we've really seen the spotlight go on to the one union that is, 
probably the most problematic for American society, and that's the police unions. You know, you saw uh, the the head of the police union in in New York City complaining about police being vilified, uh, and I saw a, a great video that someone had thrown together with him giving his little rant you know, speech about how it's it's not fair that that people are saying police are the bad guys and they're they're complaining that they're violent and it was all intercut with clips from the most current round of protests with cops just beating up passers by, shooting pepper balls at journalists, just all the shit that it's like, yeah, uh I can't imagine why anyone is saying this stuff about the NYPD. You guys just seem like such wonderful folks to have at a party. I, you know, there's, there's, there is a reason that people who went to high school in America are familiar with the phrase parties over cops are here. Yeah. Um, it, I, 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 the, the phrase a few bad apples is wearing on my last goddamn nerve because it's not, it's a systemic problem. Because you can have guys like, okay, fine, there's a few guys that are violent, but then you have an entire ecosystem around them that protects them mm-hmm. from any consequences of their bad behavior. So stop telling me it's a few bad apples. It's a bad and orchard. And it's foundational. It's yes, foundational. It's a as well. bad orchard. Yeah. By the way, a few it's bad apples, a few bad apples, rejected name for the produce store that I was thinking about starting. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go with Michelle's. I think it's. I think it's stronger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, and they look at like when black people bitch, they're like, "Oh, here they go again, bitching about." You know, I had a cop who sat back and was telling me about looting. Here, look at the looters. I said, "Motherfucker, y'all looted fucking whole cities. You lynched motherfuckers, and nobody went to jail. We still didn't get." progress on on Emmett Teal. Mm-hmm. There's been black this shit's been going on and you everybody's just oh forget about it. It's just history. Let it go. Well did you see the story Why? in the news this we week? We would uh, there, there were like 20 cops during looting on the south side of Chicago, my my old hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. They broke well, into the congressman's office. Yeah, they were they were in Bobby Rush's office, uh Representative Chilling for the South like Side. Killing like villains. Killing. <laughs> knock the fuck out. Um, Killing like villains. Knock the fuck out. And enjoying themselves. But see, they, they they messed up. They have one of the hardest lesbian mayors you are going to see is going to light fire in the ass. Now, she fired the black chief. So don't think. Ain't no color nowhere. She finna get your ass. She don't have a job. She's coming after them. Because this is what they're talking about. So those are your bad apples. We got four things. We had Jesse Smollett, his ass, you know, shit, you know, you know, telling them that they were, yeah, they're walking around with ropes and, and then the cops come in and check him out. And I was like, you know, one thing about people who live in Chicago, they know who the racist motherfuckers are. Ain't too many races walking around in downtown Chicago in minus 20 below zero weather. Looking for a black gay motherfucker to put a rope around his neck. They're not doing that. I mean, to out to out there to our fellow, you know, racist. You know, I don't. I don't think they worked out. <laughs> Most gangbangers don't even. They, you know, gangbangers don't even shoot each other in wintertime. They'll tell you, "I'll get you during summer." <laughs> yeah, around that time. Then we'll shoot you. Yeah. 
cold out here. Don't want to waste any bullets. Uh, I'll see you after spring training. That's it. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Makes you know, sense. Timon, I, I literally just learned about Black Wall Street two weeks ago and then read all about it. I had never mm. heard of it before. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that at least I'm being educated on things by listening in a way that I hadn't before. And it is egregious. It is, it's, it's sick. And I can't believe that, that black people haven't just burned this country to the, to the ground. I, I mean, but see, that's the, what I'm talking about. I, I respect you for that. That is that. That's see. We can have a conversation. That's what. That's what the book White Fragility is all about. When Robin D'Angelo talks about, I don't know if you guys have heard of White Fragility. Yeah, it's the number a, one uh, selling book on uh, Amazon. The the fragileness of of whites not saying you know, and, and the progressives are the worst because they well, I got black friends. No, no, we're not racist and everything. But when she went in to to a, a class that was put on by a black woman and just started cracking jokes and whatever. And the woman pulled it to the side and said, that's what I'm talking about. And she got so schooled and she, she apologized. It was a learning process. And like you said, you didn't know Dave, a lot of white stories, just like Liz didn't know about redlining. Be willing to learn. If you just, we can get through this. If people are able to, to, to learn from each other, you know, like people say, oh, I don't, we don't need to learn from the Chinese or the, the Japanese. Yes, we do, because they've been wearing masks for years, and that's why they have a low flu rate every year, because they wear masks. They already mitigate. Mm -hmm. They've been doing it for years. But we're so arrogant. The Americans are such arrogant people that they don't give a shit about no one. And that's, you know, that's my thing on it. That's why they get in trouble. And that's why racism just keeps on flourishing. Because no one wants to admit that they didn't know. And then they said, well, shit, I'm willing to learn. And so you will, you even read the article. Now you can go and share that and say, hey, why didn't I learn this in high school? Why didn't I learn this in college? Yeah. This shit is real. There you, know, you go. Let me tell you something, Time. And I, thought, I think that this is kind of interesting. After I read about it, after I read all about it, I told... Ada, uh, Jeff, that's my 10-year-old daughter. I told her all, all about it, all about what, what it was. And she was, you know, outraged and everything. But I wanted to, but I realized that there, there was a time, talk about, like, putting something under the rug. Like, I'm a liberal, right? right? right. But the thing is, like, I didn't want to bring up, like, there, there was a time where I didn't think that I would want to bring up racism to Ada just because she has a, a somewhat diverse class and I don't mm -hmm. want to put that in her head that everyone isn't equal. Meaning, meaning I don't want her to be like, oh, no, like, because in her mind as a little kid, of course, her, her friends are all her friends. It doesn't make any difference. But we got to be real here. Like, well, I can't it's actually the old, it's pretend... The old it's the old Earth, Wind, and Fire song. A child is born, a child with, with you know, a child of gold. But the ways of it, it's what you put in their brain. You know, mm -hmm. they, their brain is a blank slate. But mm -hmm. they're not damaged yet because you know parents have to you know what whatever they're going to put in there. You know, when you start because they're little sponges. You know, but that wasn't that way for me. I mean, because my mom, the white man, as I always say today, the white man was always in our house. <laughs> right. We were always told. And then yeah. when I was in grade school 
And as long as I went to school with white kids, I ate damn good. But when they left, oh my God, sour milk, uh, you know, rotten fruit, burnt fish. That shit was gone. Like, where's the money? Where's all the money going? And that was from first grade to fourth grade. I mean, we had breakfast every day. We had the lunches and everything. I mean, as long as, it was, long as the white kids were there, man. But when white flight kicked in, and Dave knows living in Illinois, Illinois is one of the racist states that, you, that you'll ever see. Yeah, but the people are so nice that they don't bring it up. <laughs> But no, it's and it's it's funny because yeah, you know, Katie, Katie, great, great barbecue though, yeah. Oh God, yeah, great barbecue. Yeah, there's well, there's I mean, I, that's that's the thing though, Timon. You're absolutely right, and Kate, you're absolutely right. Racism is taught, ignorance is taught, hate is taught. Kids could kids shoot out of the womb, fucking perfect, fucking loving machines, absolutely open to everything and to everyone, and you tamp that down as a parent if you're not good at it. You you right. squash that little that little nugget of joy that is a child, and you go, all right. Here's what you got to see, and here's you got to hang out, and here and here and here, and then all of a sudden, they're myopic; mm-hmm. they can't see right. anything anymore. So if you teach a kid that everybody's on the same level and everybody deserves the same respect, that's how the kid's going to operate. Yeah, but I, I mean, you look at music. You look at music. Music is another thing. You know, the Rolling Stones acknowledges that I stole my shit from black folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll Mick, tell you. I mean, you know, they used to do that. They, they will tell you. The, the Beatles will say, we did the Chuck Berry sound. You know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Chuck Berry sound. They all, I mean, who was over Cream? What's the guy over Cream? Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Uh, Clapton. Yeah. All of them. They tell you where they got there. They went to the juke joints down in the hood. They took the blues, the jazz, the everything. But but, but it was people, it was but know, it was artists like Pat Boone who really that. made that sound their own. Uh, <laughs> well, if if you well, if you, you know, it's, want it's to, you bring up Pat Boone. There was a thing called mirroring back in the day. You would mirror like right. Tom, when Tom Jones came out with the song. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. That was supposed to, that was that song was going to go to this black dude who already had a number one hit, but they gave it to Tom. Tom was supposed to walk and follow this guy wherever he went, follow his moves, dance moves, and everything. And they did it. And they also Pat Boone was supposed to mirror Aretha Franklin, and they would do this to try and you know to so they would have that see but uh, but where where tom jones succeeded pat boone (laughs) failed (laughs) miserably especially if he was trying to be like aretha that's the thing like because yeah i it 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 is great that they acknowledge it but you listen to like the beatles early chuck berry covers you listen to like early stones doing covers of old blues tunes and there's there is some grit there's some soul in there you listen to pat boone's version of tutti frutti if 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 you could hear mayonnaise, it it would still sound more soulful than Pat Boone's version of Little Richard songs. Pat Pat Boone is the miracle whip of humans. It's not his fault. He's he's a condiment. It's shoes. But it is it is amazing. Like because uh, a few years back. 
when uh, when I was still working in the music business, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't on uh, on the labels that I was working for. But Pat Boone put out an album of metal covers. I just wrote oh, yeah. that down to talk about and it. I know the like the thing that astounds me, and this is this is one of the problems with white people, is like and looking at Pat watch Boone. Out, Dave, watch out! Watch oh out, no! Oh no! Hey, I. <laughs> I'm Jewish. I'm allowed to have issues. You know, like, yeah, we all we all know about, like, black kids getting the talk from their parents. For Jews growing up when I did, it was Holocaust movies. Uh, it, it was, you got to sit down and learn this, boy. It's your history. And, Katie, I think that's that, like, goes back to what you were saying about, like, trying to keep Ada sheltered but realizing that uh, you kind of got to teach the kids about the bad in the world just to make sure that they don't, embrace it and they know why it's wrong but the the thing that cracks me up about pat boone being a born-again christian (laughs) is like you're supposed to be saving people well it's he sucks the soul out of everything like be it be it like the the little richard songs in the 50s to the metal songs of the 80s and 90s it's like how can you call yourself a christian when you remove soul from everything you touch uh, it makes dave no wins, sense dave wins dave wins dave wins <laughs> it's a shared victory because dirty deeds done dirty sheets. <laughs> You know, but one of the funny things, and I don't remember if it was the album cover or if it was just the promo shots, but it was Pat Boone wearing like a leather, black leather vest and a collar with no shirt. And and you looked at that and you're like, I'm betting that was just something he had in the closet, you know, for alternate Sundays. He also was wearing like a blood. Did you just say this? Because I kind of like, I don't know if I had a mini stroke, but I just blacked out for a second there. Um, was he also wearing like a like a black leather Newsie cap? I I didn't mention that. And I, I do remember there were some shots. But the right. thing, it was like the bondage collar and the leather vest that it was yeah. like. Yeah. Did it look like the police academy gay, gay bar? Very much. Yeah. The Blue Oyster. Pat, Pat Boone, yeah. proprietor. You're looking at Pat Boone in that picture going. Yeah, this guy's got a safe word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it was Debbie. Um, uh, no, no. I was going to no. go with Jesus. My <laughs> safe word is Jesus. Stop you, hitting me. Yeah, when it's when it's too good, that's when you take the Lord's name in vain. Um, <laughs> but en- enough about Pat Boone, uh, because we were we were talking about Black Wall Street, which. There's certainly no excuse for it not being in the history books, although we can blame the Texas uh, Textbook Commission since they ruin everything for everybody. But, well, you know, we all have acknowledged that we didn't learn about it in school. One of the things that, you know, surprised, not surprised, that I saw on Twitter this week was someone who grew up in Tulsa saying that they had never learned about it. Wow. And I guess that's well, that's the thing is like you start from from the source of not teaching it, it makes it a lot easier to excuse not teaching it to the rest of the country. Well, I, I talked to a guy from Wilmington. Who, I don't know if you heard the story of Wilmington, North Carolina. Now there were several black cities that were burned down from Alabama, Louisiana, Rosewood. They were all burned down. Also, no one went to jail. Blacks through lynched, as well as a lot of land, over 8 million acres of land was taken. 
no one you know gave it back or any of that type of stuff. At Wilmington, North Carolina, they had a predominantly black uh, affluent uh, city. I mean, the, the the blacks were affluent, and you had the poor whites. So they were having a voting, and they were having a, a, a you know an election. And so the poor whites hooked up with the the blacks, and they said, "Hey, you know." But your prominent whites did not like the fact of them coming together, and they lost the election. So they went and got a militia, and they held this held them hostage. Start shooting a few blacks, changed the vote. And uh, they, they first, they didn't start off just shooting at them. First, they started putting, saying negative thing, negative propaganda. But there was also a black newspaper there. And the guy who was the editor said, well, wait a minute. No, the, we're not taking your white women. The white women are coming to us. <laughs> they want to come to us. So they got pissed. They end up burning down that newspaper, running a lot of the public officials and a lot of the town people out. They came in with about 2,000 militia and... What the city did, what Wilmington, North Carolina did, they buried the truth. If you wanted to know about that, what happened, you'd have to go to the library. They had it locked in a room of all the information. The white woman, professor, as well as a writer, who dug up the information and exposed it. It's also on, uh, it's on YouTube and how I found out about it, you know. And so there's a lot that the people in the, the town, you won't know because that information is buried. The blacks know about it, but who's going to believe them? They didn't get it. They, they're not in, those in charge are hiding, hiding this information. If you want it, you got to go dig for it. But I'm not going to put it in your history books so other white people can see the sins of America. We need to come out looking like we are just the land of liberty and free and we, you know, we just, everything is wonderful. They can't allow you to know that information. It's, and, and, you know, it's just the way it is. That's why you don't know about it. Well, and, I'm not shocked. And I know, you know, with, with a lot of white folk, there's, there's a certain mentality of, you're talking about this again. How, when, when are you going to shut up about black wall street and all this? And I think the, the right answer is when you fucking learn, you know, it's yeah. there's there's a reason that we keep hearing about this. It's because nothing is being done. And one of the reasons that that not just us, but a lot of people are talking about Tulsa and Black Wall Street this week is because Donald Trump taking advantage of the the reopening of America has planned his first MAGA Nazi rally for uh, for Tulsa, Oklahoma on Juneteenth. Uh, June 19th, which is a day that celebrates the end of slavery. And uh, I'm going to be I'm going to have a Rachel Maddow moment here uh, where I explain this and then time and did I get everything right? Um, (laughs) Did I I say anything wrong? Uh, But so when slavery ended, when the Civil War was over, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. There were a lot of things that uh, that the world didn't have back then. So it took months for the news to get to texas two where, years yep oh wow it was they, years yeah because I, they, it was 1863 they were set free you know you're supposed to wait until i i asked if i get anything wrong oh, but uh, <laughs> okay, I i'm sorry i jumped again no no go ahead like well, take over here two please years? yeah it was two years before texas found out 
uh, the, 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 uh, yeah, it was either, yeah, because the, the Civil War ended in 65, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, so this 63 or after 65, I can't, I can't remember, but I know it was two years before they found out that they were actually free, and which is the reason why it's a celebration. Into it started there, and they were dancing and eating they, they, they food and everything. And which, but that freedom didn't last very long because remember, Reconstruction kicked in, mm-hmm. and after Reconstruction, that was only good. I mean, Reconstruction was good for about seven, eight years for blacks. So you had guys who were lawyers and doctors and also on the House of Representatives. They were doing well as long as the Union soldiers stayed. Once the North cut a deal with the South to put things back the way they were and get rid of the Union soldiers, all right. you had the 13th and 14th Amendment, but then you actually put blacks not back in slavery, but if you did, if you were black and didn't have a job or you weren't working, or you you weren't just allowed to walk around the city so they would arrest you and that was worse than actual slavery so you had uh you had guys where they had the the, i don't know if you heard of the devil's punch bowl the devil's punch bowl is in mississippi and well people would wherever the slave or wherever the worker fell is where they buried him because they couldn't move him they just if they dropped dead right there they dig a hole throw him in there so that's why when the rivers would rise all these body you know so um you had this and they put the you know the that together so after the black codes and everything then came jim crow which was 150 years and it was that because of that bad deal that was cut that set black people back so you had all the cities they had all the land you know they were doing well but what happened? Then you also brought in integration. Remember, integration was supposed to make things better for black people because they thought, hey, we're finally going to get accepted by whites. Didn't have. <laughs> They'll have someone else to look down on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, we could, you know, and as they said, you know, they said, well, why do blacks? And if, that's why I, I'm going to they gonna send you the, uh, the link to uh, white fragility. And she makes a good point. Whites do not like the fact that blacks were excelling. They consider that being uppity. Mm-hmm. They don't like you that, that if I step off the curb, you should be, be below me. You will never be able to look me eye to eye. That's why they're bothered by Obama. They didn't like that. They didn't like Michelle mm-hmm. being as highly intelligent as she was. That's considered uppiness. You should go back to your place. You're not above us. That's why people mm-hmm. have problems with all the folks calling the police on blacks and why are you in this neighborhood and everything. You should not be able to drive a Bentley. You probably stole it. You're a drug dealer. You're this. And all these different this, – this is part of the negative propaganda. There's a museum in Michigan called – it's a negative pro, black negative propaganda museum. And, and it's all about – was used. To destroy them, you can even use Hollywood. You can go into the economic-wise. This was all orchestrated because there was a fear of black people excelling because they saw it. They saw them do it, and then they wanted to shut it down because it scared the shit out of them. It, it scared 
the upper echelon of whites. They didn't want you to have it. Well, I mean, that's, that's the way that, it is. That plays it, into it, one it of my theories. Spectrum too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, it, 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 it goes plays in the spectrum. Yeah, it's I mean, it's why everyone. Josephine Baker's career didn't take off here in the states. She had to go to Europe, and she was adored there, right. and couldn't get a gig what? here. And she was no. a huge. That's why all the jazz musicians. That's why Miles Davis, uh, Quincy, uh, Miles Davis, Theolius yeah. Monk, everybody went to Europe because everybody. they were they were embraced. Yeah. Whereas here they did not. Uh, they were not embraced, even though they were stealing, which is another thing that's not talked about. The stealing of black culture. Elvis. Whites have been stealing black culture for years. I don't care from the high fives to the chest pumps to the, yeah, you know what I'm saying, and movement and all the dancing. That's all part of what you've taken from black culture. So that you can't say they didn't add to, to the American culture. They have. Oh, God, and they're, they're all a part of it, but yet they're not embraced. We want what you have, but we don't want you. That's mm -hmm. how black people feel. You want all that we brought, but you don't want us. Yeah, we want we want yeah. the fabric. We just don't want to, we don't want to recognize the thread that made it. Right. And yeah. and time and time and what you were talking about that um, black people were just walking around. They couldn't just be walking walking around. They could be right. you know arrested or whatever. But that and that's what I I that's what I was talking about with the um, the problem with policing is foundational. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I work in probation. I work with cops. And when, that's what I'm saying. When the guy says to me, look at the looting, I was like, motherfucker, you guys were looting and lynching. Well, yeah. we didn't do it. Why do you always got to go back in history? Because black people didn't create this. This mm -hmm. is new. It is what this country was built on. Yeah. We built it. I mean, what did, what did you think? What do you think uh, they were saying about uh, looting? And, and look at the people looting. And I said to one of the guys, dude, that's not new. I said, that's one problem with talking to you guys. You don't know your history. You don't know what this country's been built upon. And yet, you know, you try to say that it's all, oh, it's not everybody. Look at her. Look at Magic Johnson. Look, oh, so you get one black guy? Do you realize how far back? You know, they said, well, why can't you? They, they should be able to catch up up when i've been held back you know you keep telling me how great i got it but yet i have a friend who owns a bentley mind you can you imagine being arrested and sitting on the curb and stopped in beverly hills because you drove a bentley and yet you don't look like you should own a bentley right so why succeed why go to college why get the degree why buy the house you know, no, uh, Reverend, Al, Reverend Al Sharpton uh, in his eulogy at George Floyd's funeral. Yeah, we were talking about this on the show last week because I, I want to get you know someone with a with a pipe organ to be you know my background guy to just emphasize my points. But he there was a there was a stretch of the eulogy where he was talking about how black people haven't been able to do as much because they have had a, a knee on their neck the whole time. <clears throat> And you you can't deny it. One of the one of the big issues that's come up this week is the the whole idea of defunding the police. And you know we were talking last week on the the problem that it that shocks me that liberals have. We have all the creative people, but we suck at the messaging. I don't know why that is. 
and we cannot brand it's yeah the worst it's yeah it's branding it's ridiculous and and the idea is that defunding the police has as much to do with taking all their money away as disarming the police has to do with amputating their limbs. It's the the language itself is somewhat misleading, but to be honest, you know, I, I spent a good chunk of the week trying to think of a better, equally succinct way of expressing defund the police and really couldn't come up with it. And I can kind of understand the idea. Well, yeah, but you know, you say something that incendiary and it opens up the possibility for a discussion. And it's like, really anything opens up the possibility of discussion with the folks who are opposed to this. No, I, I don't see it. And I, I'm open to matter who actually did that. Dave, they black lives matter came out with that defunding thing and i oh, said, sure blame the blacks <laughs> well i'm sorry i mean they when they said defund it's like dude don't say that you got to watch how you do your words because you want and because one of the republican guys that there you guys going you, you're dismantling and you're democratic and you know you know black lives matter gets a lot of their money from democrats and it's like you can call whatever you want okay but i'm saying Yes, remove some of the money. You need to find a better way of saying that, guess what? A cop doesn't need to go in with guns blazing on a lot of situations. You can hire other people to handle those situations. Right. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, a lot of mental issues, if you if you would start building our mental hospitals up again, and because, you know, people talk about how great it is to live in America, but you have a lot of people who just, you know, mentally, they can't survive here. They're breaking down. It's hard. We have the highest taxes, and we have over 60,000 people now homeless. And that homelessness is because people can't keep up. They yeah, but the stock market is doing do great. <laughs> not anymore, it's not. Not since, not since, uh, not since they, they just came out saying that the coronavirus is back. Right. I have I have one suggestion on on the policing because uh, you're right. Defunding, Jesus, could we have picked a worse word? No, probably not. But my one thing is this: all settlements from now on for police misconduct come directly out of their pensions. Yeah. Period. Full mm-hmm. stop. You guys right. want people up? You want to kill people? You want to violate rights? Guess what? That's going to cut into your I'm going to own a bar in Clearwater, Florida money that you thought you had socked away. I'm tired of having cities and municipalities pay for the behavior of bad cops. It's ridiculous. That's not what my taxes are supposed to go for. So Johnny Badge could beat some guy to death. No. Right. I I think. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. I think that the I think that the a better um, way of saying defund the police is um, which is a message I agree with is downsize the police. Maybe downsize Um, because I mean, when you think of it. Time and you made a really good point because, like, when you think about, let's just say we're talking about public safety and it's a pie, and police. So, like, public safety. So, policing is taking up way too much of that pie. So, it's mm-hmm. kind of like maybe public safety ten percent is you know t- taken by police. The, the you know they they run that. The rest of it is counseling, prevention drug program rehabilitation program i mean you know i mean it's 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 gotten to the point and i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a, a power lust or if it's mm. laziness but it's like the police have taken up way too much of that 
public yeah. safety pie. So I agree with defunding the police. I understand that it makes it, it's a very easy term to pick apart and be like, oh, okay, those crazy liberals, they want to, you know, they want your streets to run wild, like run wild. I don't, I, you know. Well, I think, I, 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 I think you're right. It's it basically cops are like the, the civic equivalent of Jared Kushner, whatever job nobody else wants to do. Oh, well, they're going to take care of it. And the fact of the matter is most of those jobs, like there are a lot of people and a lot of groups that care about these jobs and that they get done but the power structure in general eh, they don't care so much so they don't need to see any progress happening on these fronts they just need to be told eh, it's cool jared's taking care of it and yeah, jared kirchner he's the he's what you get when you order a human being off of wish <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah. That's that's the best joke I've written this week, and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> oh my god! He was like, you were just, you were just waiting for the word Jared to come up. <laughs> Katie, I've like, had that in my back pocket for almost an hour and a half now. You <laughs> 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 oh, motherfuckers! Oh man! Well, I, I think that you know there there is still so much more to talk about, you know. But we are we are running a little long and uh people have lives but a couple things that i i do want to to get out there before we end the show today is uh props to all the advertisers who are leaving tucker carlson ultimately enough money will fall away from his show that the the heads of fox news are going to have no choice but to take him off the air and replace him with something more profitable like infomercials for catheters uh, which also uh actually i would say more so than tucker carlson provide a, a public service so uh so good good for the advertisers and the catheters um, he'll be he'll be fine with the swanson frozen dinner cash yeah, yeah, he's he's got his fortune. He doesn't yeah, need if, to. If need be, he can always he can always split over to O A N N and start his bullshit festival there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and there are other uh, outlets for that garbage. We we did mention the MAGA Nazi rally that was scheduled to happen uh, on <laughs> Juneteenth. <laughs> The, the voices have been heard. It is an election year. Trump apparently thinks he does have a shot at getting some of the black vote. So they have moved it to the day after. He got 8%. Yeah, well, you know, that's <laughs> like four milks. Um, so I'm sure uh, that even though he is still going to be in Tulsa on the 19th, I, I'm sure uh, Trump and his ilk are going to spend that day honoring the holiday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's an idea. Joe Biden comes out and announces that Stacey Abrams is his VP pick on Juneteenth and takes all the wind out of Donnie Boy's sails for the weekend. I think that would be beautiful. Either that or Kamala. Yeah. Because Kamala's been fighting. I mean, he's got some good. He's got some good people great he can choices. snatch up. Yeah, yeah, he does. Great choice. He really does. Yeah, Val Demings. Or, or he can go. Uh, yeah, you Val know, Demings is no joke. She's she's tough. Yeah. Although between the two, yeah. Stacey Abrams is a little nicer. Man. Val scares the crap out of me. She's tough. But she used to be a cop. Yeah. She's, you know, she's maybe. She's a police. She's a police yeah. chief. Yeah. Yes. So maybe it's time that. fuzzy enough for America. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we get that, someone that, who can now, scare the white again, people. 
there again, that is what, you know, when you were talking, uh, um, Katie, white people are really not, that pisses them off. They, they really believe they're losing something. That scares the shit out of them. You're asking what we're pushing, and if they keep their foot on the pedal, and you're talking about people of color and all this stuff here, this, this is scaring people. You have people that feel like they're losing something. Yeah. Because they've never had to address anything. I mean, yeah. like I said, you're living in Thousand Oaks. They don't think you have people in Thousand Oaks that ain't seen a black person. Well, oh my God, look at there. Is he black? That's, that's a black guy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, that's how they feel. They can't, you know, it's like a rarity, you know. Right. I thought they were extinct. Yes, no, no, exactly. Ah. Black guy there. You know, they don't see him. So you, you're actually, um, I think people are really, it's going to, like, like it has for many years, even when our parents, it scares the shit out of them. Yeah. Especially if you let one move in. Remember that old thing? If one moves in, oh my God, they're coming. Yeah. Well, who's coming? Well, I, there's some, I don't know. Well, there, maybe I I'm a little too woke, but I, my perspective, it's kind of like, and Jeff and I were talking about this earlier this week, you know, in the 2016 election. Well, well if you vote for Hillary, there's going to be a taco truck on every corner. <laughs> it's like, fuck yeah. You know, so yeah. for me, the, the, well, if one of them moves in, it's like, yeah, we're going to get like better, broader spectrum restaurants. Like we're finally maybe, and I hate to go with the stereotype, but you know, we're, we're going to get a good barbecue uh, joint in, in LA, you know, which of which there are very few. But have you guys heard that, that when people start saying, well, what about the Mexicans? Or what about the, you know, what about the Jews? Why aren't they saying anything about, and what about the Cubans? And why is it that the black people? I think like, really? This is now, you didn't see, that's what I'm saying. If someone, they think, a lot of people think black folks are getting too much press. They want this shit to stop. And these are guys that are people of color, but the Republicans. And they're already bothered. By the black man. Oh, there we go. We got to listen to this black shit slavery crap again. Why are they speaking? You know, okay, we get it. Let it go. And no, this time we're going to really scare. I'm telling you, better not let no brothers. You see what happened? The only time the NRA complained was when brothers start having guns. <laughs> That's when they bitched. It's a monster like, act. Black yeah. Yep. That's why they came out. <laughs> but I think I'm hoping, Timon, that there are at least... God, I hope this is true. At least as many white folks that are just seeing this coming about and going, oh, God, yes, please. Let's, can we be done with it? Because it should have been done a long time ago. We should have been done with this a long time ago. We should have had But you remember, it just, we just saw what, what was just celebrated. The loving thing was right. just celebrated. Interracial marriage. 53 they years talk, ago? I mean, come on. 1967? Yeah. Huh? 1967. Yeah. The they came out with the loving law. I mean, I mean, interracial. I you know, know how many people are still going and dealing with that? I mean, we just accepted that shit. You know, so they didn't leave that. Oh, no, we got, you know, we don't want to get with this. That, and it was always that you had the white, they would say that the white man was afraid of a black guy dating their daughter. Well, in the Loving situation, which the guy's last name was Loving, it was a white man with a black woman. And they still didn't want it. I mean, the churches, the evangelicals were up in arms about that shit. 
but they wanted to have them on the side. You can go and get you a black woman. Just don't let us know that you got one. Well, it's you a know. strong American you know. tradition since the days of Thomas Jefferson. Oh, yes. Get yourself a black no, side she piece. She was a willing... Well, no, they said she was a willing participant. One of the guys said to me, well, how do we know she wasn't willing? At 14, that's called rape, fucker. <laughs> yeah. 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 14 years old? Come on. And, really? and your property? Yeah. How yeah. is there any sort of consent going on there? Babe, oh where are you God. going? I'm going down to smoke a pipe. I'm going down... And smoke a pipe and have a conversation with Sarah. We're just going to talk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. You know what's so what's so terrible about all of it is that is that we can say things like, well, and this was only forty years ago, or this was only fifty years ago. I mean, or Trayvon Martin. But it's it. The thing is, it's going to it it will c- continue to keep happening. It's not like oh well that was then. I mean, it's it's all coming out of this original sin, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they don't want you to talk about it. Everybody, it's, it's amazing that white people want you to say, "Hey, man, okay, yeah, but you know, let it go." Yeah, get over it, it, man. Yeah, We're never going to be able to move forward if you keep flying the Confederate flag. I just want to know. Mm, yeah, and yeah. Wait, you guys lost that uh, war. Can you get over it, please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 time and or are these the liberals who keep circulating the petitions to sign against dog meat because because it turns out that a lot of white liberals really seem to care more about animals than they do about black people yeah true well you know because it's it's just so problematic you know pets they they can't speak unless you train them well but uh even then you unless don't understand what they're saying unless you're michael vick <laughs> vick, vick, uh, can you imagine vick you know no one's apologized to vick yet you well know, and i i think okay. it's interesting and this could be a whole other show but you oh think about no but you think about like the the eating dog meat michael vick uh cockfighting you know uh which there's a lot, you know, in, in the Mexican community. And it's, it's interesting that white folks who are, are woke in this sense really, and, and I'm not saying they're cool with white people abusing animals, but they really want to put the focus on where you're seeing it from the others. Be it the Mexicans, the, the Asians, the blacks. Then, then it's a problem. It, it's like when rap music comes out to the suburbs and the white kids are listening to it and dressing like that and talking like that. It was, it was fine. It was fine when it was just the black people listening to it in their areas. But now my kids are listening to it, and I've got to put up with this. And who knows what they're learning from this? We simply cannot have this in our communities. Let's let's do something about this. Biff Muffy, get the shotgun. Um, my brother had straight out of Compton on vinyl and my parents didn't know what to think. <laughs> wow. I thought, I thought it was wow. I was like, this is great, Mike. He's seven years my junior and we, he, he hit to it when he was like 12 and I'm like, this is cool. Nice. You're going to, you're going to, this is going to branch your mind out into all sorts of other things. You're going to learn other, this is, I couldn't have been happier. And my parents were like, where did we go wrong? Like you didn't. <laughs> yeah. You didn't go wrong. He just, likes a different kind of music and it's all going to be okay it could be no different your daddy listened to bb king right. did your parents listen to blues all right yeah just like listening to bb king you know or james brown can you imagine your, your dad brown? listening to james brown when he came out and they were like wow 
You hear him going, hey, you know, in the bathroom, dancing and moving his feet around. Well, well, his parents were complaining about the race music coming from upstairs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, so uh, speaking of B.B. King, the thrill is not gone, but it is merely going to be on hold for another week until we return with a new episode of Let's Be Treasonable. For the meantime, though, I do want to thank our panelists Oh, oh, actually, uh, before I get into the thank yous also, and I, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, I've talked about my friend Jen uh, on the show here from from the Long Island Bureau of Let's Be Treasonable. Uh, at the beginning of, of the pandemic, her husband, Bobby, uh, got a bad case of the Rona, uh, did beat it. So he is better. But Jen uh, sent me a note. They live in Long Island, which um, not really the most racially diverse part of America, let's say. I'm from there. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, and it's they live on Long Island, not in Long Island. I stand corrected. My, my <laughs> bad. Anyway. Uh, well, well, y'all <laughs> island folk. Uh, she was telling me, uh, mention a guy. Uh, named Aviante Smith, and I apologize if I'm if I'm butchering his name, but he is a uh, he's a dancer with the Knicks, and he has started a, a series of Black Lives Matter protests in Long Island. That, uh, as Jen said, he started out alone, and people would drive by and throw bottles at him and shit, but. He is out there every day, and the protests have been growing. And, you know, we started the show talking about how we here on the panel, we live in L.A., and so we do have a little bit of a bubble going on. And we tend to view, you know, not just the coasts, we we aren't coastal elites, but, you know, we see america largely through the larger cities so it is it is great and it it needs to be mentioned and brought to people's attention that it's not just marches and protests in la and new york and seattle and and chicago it's it's happening in the smaller towns and and people all around the country and in some places where it matters more than it does like you know yeah here we know that there is systemic racism and brutality in the LAPD, but for a lot of people, it doesn't touch your lives on a daily basis in the smaller towns. It's their front and center. And I say, this is someone who, you know, I grew up in and outside of Chicago, but went to school in Missouri. And I have been around this country in some of the smaller towns and you see it. And even in like the more enlightened places like columbia missouri where it's a college town columbia is like that's where i went to school i lived there for eight years it's like the what austin is to texas columbia is to missouri uh it's it's as they say the blueberry in a sea of marinara but uh it's it's important to to see that these smaller towns and and things are happening for the better in in the smaller towns and the smaller areas so props props to aviante smith and and uh the syosset moms on on facebook uh it's it's happening out there and people are doing their part to make america better so let's let's keep that going and with that in mind uh i i do want to thank uh the folks who joined us for the show today uh great show great panel jeff hendrick 
Thank you so much. Uh, first time on the show. You will definitely be invited back. Uh, oh, yay. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks <laughs> for being with us. I, I, cool. uh, Great chatting with you, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Katie, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're Fine. Gonna... Yes, you were good. You were very good on the show. I'll admit. <laughs> Chicks, man. So what are you, you going to do? Uh, but thank you for being with us, Jeff. Uh, for the meantime, should you so desire, where can people find you online or in the meat space if, if any of that is going on? Oh, God. Uh, I will be posting up on Facebook anytime I have a, a Zoom show. The next one I've got is with uh, the lovely uh, Carol Newell. Her Excellent. show, and that'll be at the end of the month. Right last on. Last Saturday in June. Uh, where, where can people find you on the Facebook or on, on the Twitter or anywhere else? Uh, my, my full name, my full, my full given Christian name, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Scott Hendrick is where you'll find me. Excellent. And Twitter? Uh, not, not, I don't tweet. I know I should, but I, I don't. Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Well, thank you for being here. Jeffrey Scott Hendrick on the Facebook. And, uh, thank you for being with us this week. Katie Massa Kennedy, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us this week in particular, since we're all here, should you so desire, where can people find you online or in the meat space? If that's a thing these days. Uh, well, just, uh, it's Katie Massa Kennedy, basically on Facebook, Katie Massa. If you want to Google Katie Massa Kennedy, you're going to, you can see, maybe see some hot pictures, you know, that kind of thing. Well, thank you for being with us. Looking forward to the next time (laughs) as well. Mr. Time and Ship, always a pleasure. Should you so desire. (laughs) (laughs) Busting out the chic. (laughs) should you so desire where can people find you on the interwebs or in the live times uh uh, time and ship at twitter time and ship at instagram time and ship at facebook or you can get my book uh my east st louis on uh amazon or uh my cd my comedy cd universal brother which is also on itunes and spotify Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being with us. I look forward to being uh, back next week. Speaking of next week, and uh, just a a shout out, I I first met Jeff when we were guests on the show uh, Left of Wrong, which was part of the birth of Let's Be Treasonable. And with that in mind, next week is going to be our 150th episode of Let's Be Treasonable. So, uh, yeah, I know. It's like we've been doing this that long. Um, But we are looking at getting the original crew, including uh, one of the hosts of Left of Wrong and one of the original panelists of Let's Be Treasonable, Jim Coughlin, on the show. So uh, looking forward to that. Me, I'm Dr. David Robinson. You can find me on the Facebook as Dr. David Robinson. On the Twitter, I am at Stand Up Fall Down. And I, I actually I posted something on my Instagram this week just to prove that it's there. But... I'm an older straight white man. I still just really don't do the Insta that much, Uh, but it's there. Find me. Why not? You know, we got time. It is, it is Rona time. If you've made it this far into the show, you probably already know, but it bears repeating. This show is on the socials. We are on Facebook at let's be treasonable, all spelled out. 
And on the Twitter, we are at L-E-T-S-B-T-R-E-A-S-O-N-A-B-L. We take off the E's and pass the savings on to you, the listener. (laughs) Speaking of you, the listener, want to thank you for listening. If you like the show, please tell everyone you know, rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening and even on the platforms where you're not. Because again, Rona times. But uh, if you didn't like it, that's cool. Keep it to yourself. We won't mind. (laughs) We will be back next week. Hopefully you will too. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.